Welcome into In This Corner with the Brian Campbell. This is the professional wrestling edition. Now me, I am handsome Nick Costos. And right now you can't see me because this is an audio medium, but I'm wearing a new tie because I got to start wearing ties at the office here at CBS. That's the directive. The tie I'm wearing is made by a brand called Eton. It was a $200 tie. Why? Because handsome Nick has to look his best. Now, while you might be thinking, handsome Nick, this is great for you. It's another vehicle for you with, with which to be very vain with and which to dress in which to spend more money to feed your massive ego and all your insecurities. But you know what I say? It's not great because now I'm faced with the decision every day when I get dressed. What do I go with? What shirt do I match with? Which tie? I don't have Paul from Nordstrom living with me at my apartment. If that were the case, Paul would just tell me what to wear. Now my vanity stretched to the limit. I'm stressed out every day because I don't know what damn tie to wear. That's what happens when you're a superstar talent like handsome Nick Costos and also when you have a really, really massive set of insecurities when you're a petty, pathetic, insecure little man, one that you can find on Instagram, at the Costos. And I am also joined, as always, by my tag team partners, starting off with the man that they refer to as the Czar of Russia. He is the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. <laughs> hey, now. That was the, I like the laugh before the hey, now, from the Czar, Adam Silverstein, the Silver King. And as always, I am also joined by the man whose name is on the marquee. Come on. He is the icon. Let's go. He is the main event. Bring it. He is the showstopper. My man. He is the whole effing show. One time. He is the bod that runs the pod. Stay hyped. He is the mast that guides the cast. Here we go. You know his name. He is the Brian Campbell. Oh, yeah. BC, tell him what's on the podcast. Well, Nick, as has become the norm in these parts, listeners, you're going to want to do yourselves a favor and get some of this. Hey, it's grown men talking about other grown men in spandex. And we've got another action-packed show for you this week, slinging the only wonder drug, guys, that still works wonders. Yes, the performance-enhancing audio. We're going to break down the week that was in WWE and answer your questions in our DM segment. And before I pass the mic back, to the most passionate man in North America. Let me remind you to let your voice be heard on this here show. We're not just talking about DM slides, people. We're talking about you, the dear listeners, doing your part to make the ITC as big as it can be. So if you hear something today that you like, if you see something, say something. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, rate, review. Heck, shout us out on social media using that hashtag in this corner. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you want to hear more of. Hey, be like Jesse Ventura and just tell it like it is. But without any further ado, for all of our female listeners out there, I'd like to introduce. Hello. Oh, yeah. The only man on the show with a libido so large it once slammed the giant at WrestleMania 3. It's handsome. Nick Costos. Yeah, just keep Kai and Ty away from me. No choppy chopping <laughs> of any PPs going on around here. A great intro, as always, from the the cousin Yuri, the Victor Conti, the King Balco, the first of our performance-enhancing audio, the Brian Campbell. Guys, you know how we begin. We do it each and every show. And, Brian, we do it with the main event. This is the main event. Hashtag under siege. Week number two, the storyline leading up to Survivor Series permeating both Raw and SmackDown this week. Let us start, Brian, in sequential order. And dear listeners, we will get through everything. We'll get into Daniel Bryan and him showing up on Monday Night Raw. Shane's promo to open SmackDown Live. We'll get into the teams that have been announced for that Raw versus SmackDown Survivor Series match. But as I said, sequentially, Monday Night Raw opens up BC with Kurt Angle apologizing to the superstars, the men and women on the roster of Monday Night Raw. He is rudely interrupted then by Stephanie McMahon, who threatened Angle's job. If Raw does not win at Survivor Series, BC, that's where we begin with the main event. You know what you're seeing here, Nick, is I feel like you're seeing WWE retroactively trying to plant those seeds that we talked about weren't there. And, you know, I'll give them credit for that. They're trying to fix what was broken off the start with this huge kickoff we talked about. Some people liked it. People on this show did not like it, me being one of them. So seeing Steph come back certainly raises the rent. It certainly brings that intensity. And this specific part, it filled a major plot hole for me, right? If Shane comes in and attacks your roster and his sister, who he's had years of trouble against, is not stepping in there in her own job to talk about it, we have a problem. They fixed that hole. I did think Steph, which she can do at times, overacted a bit, Nick, and it kind of put a little bit of a stain on the segment. A Could not disagree don't... more. Could not disagree more, but go ahead, and then I'll tell you why. 
well, I'm going to pass it right back to you. A lot of people don't like when she comes in there and does the same thing every time, which is really just berate and, and emasculate the lead baby face of the moment. And she did that again in an angle. I don't hate it. All right. It's sort of my opinion overall and where we are at week two of under siege. There's some good. There's some bad. They just haven't hook, line and sinkered my my feel hole, my feel spot. Your they feel hole. Your feel hole. That is atrocious. The feel <laughs> hole. That, please, let, let's ban that expression from the podcast moving forward, please. And we're going to break into why they haven't stuck their hands so deep into that hole. But what I'm just God. saying right now, Nick, is that it was a good step forward to try to patch what wasn't there. They don't have me yet. Do they have you? Um, I got to tell you, I kind of like the Under Siege storyline. I, I, I mean, look, I don't like a lot of what's going on on Raw and SmackDown, and we'll delve into that as we move along. But as far as this storyline goes, I really like it. And dude, here's where I, I disagree. And Adam, we're going to come to you in a second here on the Stephanie McMahon thing. I could not disagree with you more. I actually thought she might have been the best overall performer on either show this week. Her promo... Uh, uh, I mean it. I, I do. Why would I say it unless I meant it? Like, I, I don't BS on the show. If I like it, I like it. If I don't, I don't. And that's, I agree with you. I agree. If I disagree, I disagree. She was great. Like, and you say, like, she's the same thing all the time. What does her father do? Vince McMahon does the same thing every time he comes out. Like, like this is the character that she plays. What do you want her to change her character? She came out. She delivered an awesome promo. She was awesome. Great delivery. Great word choice. I, I love the line about the three eyes. Let me add another. Incompetent. She hit him with a, you're fired, potentially. It, great. Like, feel whole for me. That hole was stuffed like a turkey on Thanksgiving. It was absolutely <laughs> superb. I loved it. I can't believe that you didn't. I think you're crazy, Brian. Silver King, what do you think of Stephanie's yeah, promo? Brian's insane. I mean, I, I popped. When you hear the music, especially when she's off TV for six, nine months, <laughs> however it's long. <laughs> like, when you hear that, you're like, oh, wow, Stephanie's coming back. Just like when you hear, here comes the money, and Shane comes back when you don't see him for a little while. It gets you popping. It gets you excited. And she delivered fully. Like, she did exactly what she should have done in that position. Her brother embarrassed her and her show. What's up, EC? I'm sorry to cut you off. It's a little too formulaic is really was my issue there. It was sort of like we needed her to come back and fill that plot hole. They delivered it, but it was sort of it was sort of basic. Oh, I'm going to come out and threaten to fire you. Adam, why would this really be Kurt's responsibility? Why would it? I mean, is he's the GM of the show? Yeah, yeah. He's the G, he's the GM of the show. And she and first of all, just like Nick said, Vince McMahon does basically the same thing every single time he comes out to the ring, especially these days. But she didn't do her same normal thing where she just berated someone. She started out nice. She gave you the swerve. Hey, Kurt, you've been doing a great job and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, wow, she's going to really support him. And then she t- turns on him just like she's wont to do, because that's the Stephanie McMahon character. Look. Business picks up when the McMahons get involved, whether it's Vince, whether it's Shane, hell, whether it's Linda, I mean, I, I something's happening. Point. I stamped that point off the top. It raises the rent. My point was it's just a little bit too formulaic because if you're really going to look at the breakdown there, that's more on Steph than it is on Kurt because, Steph, Shane's your family. Why is it on Kurt, the GM, a lower position than you, the commissioner who's never there? But she explained it. Like, the point was, was that she left Kurt in charge of it thinking that Kurt was going to get the job done. Kurt has failed in her eyes in the storyline to get the job done. So now she has come back. Like, I, I fail to see, like, what, what's bad about this. Like, I really do. Yeah, he's you're 100% right. You know, drop the ball, WWE security, all right? Because you led about 25 people in the building, and no one, no one picked up on it. That the whole SmackDown locker room, by the way, they're all wearing the same shirt. The whole SmackDown locker room is in your building, and no one knows it right now. So yes, you really remember, want to go deep on whose fault it was. Steph, she was good, wasn't great. The storyline, not great. She was great. I cannot disagree with you more. And I'll say this, actually. like, and I'm going to give my feel spot away right now because I think I kind of have to here and we can skip me at the end. I have been so impressed. And look, we have been, me especially, I said this last week, vocal critics of the GM promo work on both shows, of the promo work of... of Kurt Angle of Shane McMahon. I thought this was a week, and we've seen this for two weeks now, where Stephanie is great, Kurt Angle is great, Shane McMahon is great, and Daniel Bryan is great. So the four principles involved from an executive perspective in the Under Siege storyline are all delivering for me in a massive way. So I'm going to give that away right now. We can skip me at the end here. But I thought the Stephanie thing, I thought it was great. I thought it explained a lot, and I thought she was electric on the microphone. So let's stay now on Monday Night Raw and Brian, Daniel Bryan's involvement in the storyline. We saw the seeds planted last week on SmackDown. Daniel Bryan unhappy with Shane McMahon and the Under Siege, and they sort of left this a little up in the air, right, as to what Daniel Bryan's motives were. He's eventually attacked by Kane. Your thoughts on that whole storyline? 
So this to me was like the saving grace of what I didn't like about the launch of the storyline and the fact that there's real potential here for two things, a Daniel Bryan versus Shane McMahon, you know, blow up an issue and then what it could lead to number two, which would hope to be some form of Daniel Bryan returning, whether it's the full Monty or whether it's a tease or, or whatever. It looked like we were getting there last week and that was what sort of saved me from being, you know, in complete blow up, never watch the TV again mode. You mentioned it. Everyone's good on the mic in this storyline right now. Shane was amazing to open SmackDown just as well. But I don't get the lack of continuity, what's going on with Daniel Bryan from Monday to Tuesday night of this week. They add something on Monday, which was kind of cool. He sneaks into the building. He goes backstage. It's just him and Kurt Angle talking alone. That right there, guys, was a step forward in the storyline. Wow, there really is something between him and Shane. Because what did Daniel Bryan say? Shane doesn't know I'm here. But Nick, they couldn't just let that be. They had to ruin it. They had to stain it. And it's specifically the color of the stain, red and black. Kane coming in. And we're going to talk a lot more about Kane moving forward in this show. But just Kane coming in and beating down Daniel Bryan which really right now in the storyline doesn't make a lot of sense. And then what did they do on SmackDown? They felt like, Nick, they shifted gears. Did you hear what Shane said in the beginning? So sometimes when there's cameras backstage, right, if it's an interview, we assume everybody saw it. They played it in the arena. All the other superstars did. But there's other times where we are peeking in like voyeurs on two people having a conversation in the back. I was under the assumption that Daniel Bryan and Kurt Angle was just that. But now you have Shane. Not only did he see what happened, he say he's not mad that Daniel went around his back to go talk to Raw. He's saying we sent Daniel there. To me, this is like convoluted lack of consistency, lack of continuity that takes those really good promos and mic work and just waters them down. I'm once again in a spot where it's like, why is this so hard? Why can't you fix the holes that are letting the water and the air come out right now in this balloon? Like, what is happening? The one, the point that I can't disagree with you on was the last one, which is the, the Shane saying that we sent Daniel Bryan to Raw because the whole point of the storyline was supposed to be Daniel Bryan's there and no one knows about it. Now, unless there's more friction between the two and it's explained later on. Look, one of my favorite quotes in the Bible, more shall be revealed. I think there's more shall be revealed in the storyline because I do think that they're spending a lot of time on the Under Siege storyline and I think that it'll end up being... You're not wrong, Bri. I'm just saying that I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt for another week because I'm with as I'm with you here right now. And you're right. We may find out in the end everything we need to know. But the problem with because there's like going to be a schism between the two of them. I think it's clearly building to that. Do you agree, Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon? But for my point, the problem with booking like that, Nick, is it leads you to believe that they don't know what they're doing right now. That point I just made, maybe. It may- believe they don't know what they had in the angle Shane storyline I'm sorry the Shane Daniel Bryan storyline and now they feels like they're going in another direction I don't trust them enough based on the last two weeks to believe that all will be revealed because what did we see this week even though it was kind of good with under siege they they spent most of their time patching up the holes of week one so that's why it's like if you can't really book like that and retain confidence in, in your highest level critics it's also very possible that Shane just messed up on the mic that he knew the storyline in his head, and he was delivering his lines, and he said, we sent Daniel Bryan there when he, when he meant Daniel Bryan was at no, Raw. No, that's very unlikely, because like, that, that's not a sleight of tongue. That's like he got the storyline wrong. Maybe, and so let's say it's either one. I think you're finding the one flaw in, we begged them a week ago. No, but to Bryan's point, though, it's, it's a big flaw, though, to his point. Oh, it is? No, no, I'm, I'm not downplaying it. I'm just saying we're finding the flaw, whereas this week of television fixed 90% of the holes that we had. And it, the holes were so big and so vast that you needed more than like some silly putty. You needed you know, cement. You needed to really fill these things up. And they did that. This SmackDown, the explanation that Shane McMahon gave for rallying the troops and everything that they did should have been the exact same thing he said one week ago. Like this show on SmackDown should have been last week's show. Then you have this week's Raw. And we're not complaining maybe at all, except for the you know Daniel Bryan thing. So... I think we're finding the little flaw here. And you guys know I'm the contrarian. I'm the pessimist. I'm the one that gives them the crap for stuff. But I think if they're fixing 90% of it, something that was deeply flawed, like, I'm okay with it. It's going well. So we'll get into the Shane promo in a second here. But I got a question for you, Nick, on this topic. Sorry to interrupt you. We have a bonus DM slide that I want to hear your take from Brian Owens at Owens11B. We've heard from this man before. Did you find it interesting, he said, and this was something I was going to bring up, that Shane on Tuesday night said the captain of the SmackDown team was him quote, as of now, end quote. Brian Owens wants to know, 
does this leave the door open for Daniel Bryan's interjection into the match? Were you did you pick up on that when when Shane said as of now? And did that sort of lead you to believe that there is more to this story and it's going to change completely? I mean, I don't know if it'll change completely, but it certainly left the door open. Things like that don't happen by accident, right? Like there's no like like he was told to say that. I don't know if it's going to be Daniel Bryan. If Daniel Bryan gets put in the match like that, that's something you say for WrestleMania and like. And WWE has already showed you, like, they blew the Kurt Angle return at TLC. Of course, like, that's a extenuating circumstance with what we saw with the health issues with Roman Reigns, etc. But I, I don't see that happening. But, I mean, it, the storyline is pretty open here. And I like Under Siege for the vast majority. So I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt here. Now to uh, Silver King's point on the Shane promo. I thought it was great. Now, the only thing that I don't like about it is, like, Shane has only been associated with SmackDown for how long? And he's like, well, in the long history of SmackDown, it's never been viewed as good as Monday Night Raw. But there were some callbacks to the storyline that are cool. Raw got twice as many draft picks as SmackDown did. Now, of course, you can make the argument one's a three-hour show, one's a two-hour show. But still, that is an effective storyline device. But, Bride, here's the thing that surprises me about this. Because I think normally we have our fingers on the pulse of wrestling fans in totality where it's kind of lame to just come into a month's program, right, and try and force a circular peg into a square hole where we're now supposed to care about the Raw versus SmackDown rivalry where 11 months out of the year, not only does no one care, but they haven't planted any seeds. I am, quite frankly, shocked, and you see it more on SmackDown than you do on Raw, and it's a fascinating dynamic, and I think a lot of it has to do with how good of a performer Shane McMahon is. The crowd is chanting under siege. The crowd is into this. The crowd, when Shane says they don't respect SmackDown the way that they respect Raw, the crowd boos. Like, the crowd is into this. Like, I can't believe it. I'm not, like, I like it. I'm into it. I can't believe how into it the crowd is, though. Like, that's shocking to me. How out of touch WWE is to a degree where if they actually booked Raw and SmackDown, and I've said this from day one, summer of 2016, when they brought back the draft format and they split the rosters. I said, if you present this like real sports or you present this as a facsimile of even the Monday Night Wars, where you really try to get the crowd behind picking a brand. Now, it doesn't mean that one, you know, your WWE universe is going to only watch Tuesday night, not watch Monday. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you get behind which show you actually think is better and you create legitimate in-house competition, Nick. I'm not saying they have to release the ratings and actually put it on the air. No, they can't do that. Something that that motivates the writers in the, on the two sides. Now, in reality, Vince is stamping the ideas for both no, sides. No, but so they I'm can't kidding. do that, Bri, because it's, it's one business that they're running. Like, it's so, all under the but, same umbrella. <laughs> You create the image of real competition between the two. It would give it more of a real-life sports feel. The fans are showing you they care about that. They would be into the idea of one team against another for the four major pay-per-views when you come together. They don't play it up enough. This is their fault, which is the reason, which is what you said, why we can't get into and believe that Becky Lynch cares about beating Raw up to this point. You know what Becky Lynch should care about in real life? The fact that she gets horrible booking and, and like, all these people wear the SmackDown women's title except for her. Why is she that wearing goggles care? also? Like, Becky Lynch, enough with the goggles, Becky. Like, you're not diving into the deep end of the pool. Like, leave the goggles in the, in, in the locker room, Becky. Okay? Right. I have a bonus DM question number two for you guys right in the middle of this storyline. It comes from Ryan Thomas at R. Hamet, formerly known as Dingus McGee. You know this guy, Nick. He says a I like very the, good I like the gimmick change. Good stuff there, Dingus. I didn't think of this dingus, and you were right on. He says, hey, guys, by the way, Corey Graves, who's been in storylines recently, is announcing both Raw and SmackDown. The main issue on TV is an alleged blood feud between Raw and SmackDown. He wants to know if Graves is going to turn heel on one of the brands of Survivor Series. You can answer that if you want. I just want to point out, that's another one of these things that could have been er explained or fixed in five seconds. But now we're watching her going... I'm not, yeah, I'm not. I'm not killing the question, but like, you, you can't, Bry. You, you, you know, you like Kanye West, Bry. You're a fan of his music. He's got a great song called "Paranoid." It's one of my favorite songs of his. And in the chorus, he goes, "You're worrying about the wrong things, Bry. You're worried about the like. What, who cares about like? Why are we like delving into like the the not just the minutia, but like like the point zero 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 one percent of these storylines and being like, oh, I've got a big problem. I'll who cares? An announcer. Who cares? Straight up, why, Nick? We love shows, TV shows like Game of Thrones, all this stuff that's on once a week for one hour, right? And we get all into it, and 
and we we get all into the X's and O's. Did they is does this make sense? Blah blah blah. WWE is also a TV show. Only it's not one hour a week, Nick. It's like seven to ten, depending on how much. If we're, depend, depending, so, on, depending on the week, it feels like a million. Yeah. And I care. I'm an adult male talking about adult males in yeah. spandex, so I care about it. So if you're going to present a major storyline heading into Survivor Series, and I'm going to give you seven to ten hours per week. Fix the holes, please. Yeah. Fix the holes. If we're going to talk, if we're going to talk about Corey Graves, I want to talk about how he just craps on Elias nonstop every single time he's on the television. I don't need. I don't really care about you know whether he's going to flip and turn heel and be at one show or the other. You know why? Because they have no one else to replace him on the show he turns heel against. Like there's no one else on announcing in this company that could do what Corey Graves does for these shows. But I want to go back to the previous topic that you guys were talking about about them going head to head BC and really you know building it a brand split all year long. That's what they did back in 2002-2003 when they split the brand the first time. It was hotly contested. Stephanie McMahon took over SmackDown, Eric Bischoff took over Raw, and eventually Steve Austin, and they went head-to-head, and it was awesome. And the fans were really, really into it, although fans were really into WWE more at that time. The problem ended up being there was too much crossover. Every single show, there was a sneak attack or someone switching brands, and it just got so into the minutia of that that the individual shows didn't actually have that much personality on their own. So that's why I think they're not doing it again this time, even though you could say just book around that, don't do it as much. No, but that's not what Brian's but, saying, though, right? Brian's saying, yeah, like, 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 no, Brian's not saying do that. Brian's saying give us more. Oh, than no, what you've no. Done. Of course. But, but, saying, talk about it more. Make us care. The four yes. times when they do, when you do crossover, make that matter a lot more. Make us actually believe that Red wants to beat Blue, that Kurt Angle's job is on the line if he doesn't get his ratings up to beat Daniel Bryan's. You know, make us care about that. Yeah, there's there's definitely a, a gray area between the two extremes. I'm just letting you know, they went the total other extreme previously. So I think that's why they're straying so far from doing it this time. But you're 100% right, and Nick is too. There should be seeds all year long between a Raw and SmackDown feud. You had the Randy Orton-Brock Lesnar match. You have other things that you can do to kind of put the brands head-to-head, and they just don't do it, and for that reason, they drop the ball. Um, so the Survivor Series um, teams right now, Angle's the captain of Team Raw. He names Braun Strowman. We're going to talk about Strowman in just a second here. Now, SmackDown Live, as Randy Orton, um, it has Bobby Roode, um, who beat Dolph Ziggler in the best two of three falls match on SmackDown. Um, I, you know, that's, I mean, we can, we'll get into, I mean, I don't, I, that's just, I, I, I don't understand that whole thing, the Rude Ziggler thing. It's made neither guy look good. That's stupid booking all the way around. Shinsuke Nakamura beats Kevin Owens in the SmackDown main event. And that bribe brings me to this point. And that actually brings me into the, the first bonus DM that you gave me here. Because I still think that Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are going to finagle their way onto the SmackDown team. So I don't know if they're going to replace Shane McMahon, but I still think that we will see Owens and Zayn involved. And I will say that I think it is a catastrophic mistake if Kevin Owens and Sammy, that you know what the team should be? It should be Owens, it should be Zayn, it should be Nakamura, Orton, and Rude. And I would even kick Bobby Rude out potentially, but AJ Styles in. Because now Styles is facing Rusev next week for one of those slots. So maybe it's only one of Owens or Zayn. But I don't know what the hell they're doing as far as that is concerned. So that's a little troubling to me right now. Well, instead of saying a little troubling, I actually think that's one of the reveals that we can get excited for. That something good is going to happen. All right, I buy that. It- Maybe you already look at the SmackDown roster, big names, but for a multi-person match like this, I'm not excited to see Bobby Roode or Shinsuke in a multi-person match like this. They're not the type of performers for that. So it, there are reasons to believe that the combination of storyline and how good this match can be can be approved if they do wait, stress wait, no, that wait. Out. Here I want to go back and I want to agree with something that you said. And, like, and, and this is where the point sort of comes together. You say Roode and Nakamura aren't the type of people for this match. You're right, given what we've seen right now. The problem is, is that both guys have been booked. They should, in theory, you should be excited to see them in this match. But they've been booked so damn poorly that, like, I don't even care if, if Nakamura's on the show at all on Tuesdays anymore. Because they jobbed him out twice to Jinder Mahal. He's got no promo ability to come out and win the crowd back. And Bobby Roode, this program with Dolph Ziggler has made no sense from the start. He should be a bad guy. Why is he a good guy? The crowd doesn't get behind him. It's just so stupid and, like... That's ultimately the issue. It's not Rude and Nakamura's fault. It's WWE's fault. Right. So, Nick, WCW Saturday night, even before it was WCW, when it was NWA, 1987, 88, TBS, 7.05 p.m., right? Everybody knows what I'm talking about here. It was a typical type of show where you had job matches to get people over, and then you had, in between the job matches, you had badass promos at that little news desk area, and that whole setup was designed to get people over. 
So we're in a different era now where fans demand better matches. And they should. And by the way, Raw and SmackDown, specifically SmackDown, had badass matches this week. Yep. But the problem when you're always doing that, and we've teased this whole topic before, so I don't want to go too deep in it. But the problem when you're doing that and when you're going closer to 50-50 is nobody gets over. So you made a great point. We've had to see Nakamura actually job to people when we never should see. We should only... Nakamura should only lose Nick on a pay-per-view, Remember right? when Nakamura beat Cena clean on SmackDown? Like, everyone was all excited. They took that excitement and flushed it down the toilet with Nakamura. But you gotta go. So I know they love 50-50 booking, but like I said last week, it gets nobody over. You don't get crossover superstars. You gotta go back to a middle ground where you bring back some of that Saturday night WCW feel or, you know, Raw before they were forced to kind of give you really good matches because it gets people over for a reason. It, re- if re- you know... It shines them back up. They don't do any shining back up. And it all goes into Finn Balor dropping twice to came. Like it's all it's all related to the issue right now. Okay, now the now one of those stars that they're trying to make that they flushed down the toilet already a couple months ago in the main event of No Mercy because they jobbed him out to Brock Lesnar when all of us said the one thing you cannot do is job Braun Strowman out to Brock Lesnar. Now it's pretty clear that they are trying to make amends for that horrendous decision to drop to job out Braun Strowman. And how are they doing this? By turning him face and they are building, and this is my opinion here, so you got to feel free to disagree as we delve into this here. This is part two of our main event, the Braun Strowman part of it. That they are building Kane up strong for the sole reason of feeding him to Braun Strowman, right? So that's going to be the second thing that we discuss. The first thing is going to be, and Brian, I usually let you go first. Your name's on the marquee, so I'm going to ask your permission. May I go first here on this? Is that okay, yeah, buddy? Don't forget what it's called. The In This Campbell Podcast. That, that is why, that's why I asked you for permission, because your name's on the marquee, and it's the In This Campbell Podcast with Brian Corner. Um, so <laughs> I thought, that's the ending of Raw with Braun Strowman coming out of the garbage truck. I said last week that the ending of TLC might have been the worst thing WWE's been done in 20 years. This might have been worse than that. I actually didn't mind the little vignettes over the course of Raw with Miz and the Miz Taraj being paranoid. Like, I thought that, like, Miz is pretty good at that stuff, right? I thought that was kind of cool. You and, know, they did. They, they took a storyline, they stretched it out over three hours. That was a plus. Like, I like, was- I like that, right? Like, we like that. that. That's good. But then you get them in the limo, and you've got the camera of them in the, it's just so unrealistic, and the garbage truck pulls off, and Strowman standing there, and I'm sitting there. They're thinking to myself, oh my God, I'm 34 years old and this is something that a six-year-old would get excited for. Who, like, it made, like, it, this is not even something where, like, you can say, okay, there's a plot hole in this. Like, it is, it is, it's a black hole. Like, the whole thing is a hole. Like, there's nothing like to put puncture a hole in. The whole thing is a no. hole. It made no freaking sense. It made no sense at all. It was, it was abominable. Who would there- like that? There were so many things wrong with it. So at the at its core, it's TLC main event booking all over again, which means what? It means we sacrifice logic just to give you action, just to give you something to watch. So there's a lot of people that were like, that was the best part of Raw. You know, and again, look. Who would when, say that? Like, people, who says when, that? When Strowman gives five straight running power, some, yes, it's fun. When the fifth one goes through a table, yes, it's fun. The problem is, look at the leaps that they're making us take, the suspensions of disbelief. Nick, number one is the fact that okay, number one, the mid smelt trash in a locker room, and it, and it reminded of Braun. That's number one, okay. Number two, that was lame. That was spent lame. The whole week inside the garbage truck. How about just, the fact that the announcers are going, We're never going to see Braun Strowman again? They put, how about it would have killed him? Like, yeah, like I mean, dude, what are we talking Braun's about here? Dead. And number two, point B, he spent the whole week in the garbage truck for this two, moment, but more two weeks. Number three, guys, is this. Why is he focusing on the mishrash when it's Kane? Oh, well, oh, that's okay. Because they're... Go ahead. That's got to be Kane. Kane was the guy who put... No, him that the- part's okay, because he'll get no, to Kane. It. That this part's all right. Famous, but all three of those guys during the course of the three hours wrote themselves out of the storylines by saying, no, Miz, this is your battle. So, look, it just makes no freaking no, sense. No, that part's okay, because Braun will get those guys next week, and it'll build to the thing with Kane. That's still going to happen. I didn't... That part okay, of it, I don't but mind. But it is do more than the other guys. Miz has been, like, almost a supporter of Strowman. This is Kane's issue with him. No, He's but, gonna- but, but, but Miz is a better foil for this initial comeback because he's the best actor and he can sell it the best. Like that, I actually didn't have an issue with. What I have an issue with is the shot of, and how about this? They just did this like five months ago in the Reigns program when he walked out of the ambulance. It was the same exact thing. Like, who gets, who gets excited for this? Like, like I, I'm, I'm dead serious. Like, you say there are people that like this? Like, if, yeah. if you're listening to this and you thought that was cool at the end of the show and you are above the age of 14, look at yourself in the mirror and readdress <laughs> your life. 
because that was brutal. Like, you might as well watch the Muddy Morphin Power Rangers, whatever the hell cartoons are showing to kids right now, because that was a children's animated cartoon in real-life form. I'm 34 years old, I'm an adult, and I don't have time for this crap. That was awful. Come on. No doubt about it. And you mentioned, you know, well, we may look back and say the worst thing they ever did was having him lose clean to Lesnar. You know, what? maybe the worst thing they ever did, and I've said this before, is at the, what was it, the fast lane where Braun Strowman lost cleanly to Roman Reigns. Because you didn't need, you could have booked around not giving this guy a loss. Why would you ever give this guy a loss, Nick, unless it's the main event of Summer? Oh, Brian, you have I'm said this, serious. and it leads into the next point, And it's a great thing that you just said. Everything that WWE, not everything, but as far as it concerns the top of the card, everything that they have done is about one thing and one thing only. Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, WrestleMania 34 in the main event, where Brock will put Roman Reigns over. So they sacrificed Braun Strowman at the altar of Brock Lesnar and ultimately at the altar of Roman Reigns. And now, to rectify that mistake, they need to build Braun Strowman back up. And what's happening? They are taking Kane, 50-year-old Glenn Jacobs, and putting him over. Bri, who, are, who are they putting over right now? That's got to be Kane! That's got to be Kane! So now Vince McMahon is saying to himself, in all his infinite wisdom, okay, how do we get Braun Strowman back over? We're going to feed him the demon. We're going to feed him <laughs> Kane. And that, Brian Campbell, takes us in to Hero. Or zero. Drop that zero and get with the hero. The the czar, the silver king, the Russian judge. Take it away, sir. All right, Nick. Yeah, let's start with that ridiculousness. Kane on Monday night pinned Seth Rollins clean, then destroyed Finn Balor with that pile driver at the top of the entrance ramp, took out Dean Ambrose, and ruined Daniel Bryan in the dark backstage, all within the course of a single episode. So, Nick, let's start with you this time. I love it. Hero or zero on 50-year-old mayoral candidate from Knox County, Tennessee, being booked stronger than anyone else in WWE right now. So here's the deal. It's not Kane's fault. It's not Glenn Jacobs' fault. Like, people should not be angry at Kane for what's happening here. They should be angry at WWE booking and be angry at Vince McMahon because what's happened here is they are trying to rectify the mistake that they made at No Mercy when they jobbed out Braun Strowman to Brock Lesnar so Brock Lesnar could be strong to put Roman Reigns over at WrestleMania 34 because that's what it's all about for Vince McMahon and WWE. So what Vince is saying is, is okay, we got to get... Get Braun Strowman back over because Braun's big. Braun's got charisma. Braun could be the guy. So now they want to take a proven monster in Kane. It could have been someone else, but they decided to have it be Kane because Kane has the pedigree, right, of being a monster in WWE for the last 20 years. But no one gives a damn about Kane. So in their mind, they're saying, how can we make people care about Kane? We're going to sacrifice everybody in order to build Kane up, and then we're going to sacrifice Kane to Braun Strowman. This mistake goes back to no mercy. And it's because of that booking error that we are getting this right now. Of course it's a zero. Of course it's asinine that Kane is being put over Finn Balor and Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. Especially because these are three, and I'm not a huge Ambrose guy, but these are three of the best baby faces in the company. And we could make the argument that Rollins and Balor are two of the future faces of WWE. And why are they being jobbed out? Because Braun Strowman's got to go over. That's why. Hey, how about this, Vince McMahon? You shouldn't have jobbed Braun Strowman out to Brock Lesnar in the first place. Then you wouldn't have this problem to fix. Of course it's a zero. It's so damn stupid. Kane, he's 50. No one cares about Kane. Give it a freaking rest with Kane. Get Glenn Jacobs off my TV. Find another way to fix the damn problem instead of jobbing out all your baby faces just to make Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar and Braun Strowman look better. There's more than three people on the damn show, Vince. They deserve to die. I hope they burn in hell. Wow, the fiery hell of Nick Costos. Look, obviously it's a, it's a zero. Luck. <laughs> really nailed the, the the best point there, so there's no need in repeating that. But here's what you said: you know, don't don't take this out on Kane. Here's what I say out to everybody out in Twitterland: don't take this out on me for pointing out how bad of an idea this was. And when I tweeted out, you know, essentially this is why we can't have nice things right now in WWE booking because of crap like this, because of Vince pushing this guy. I don't care that it's the 20th anniversary of Kane, and I had countless people coming at me on Twitter saying, come on, Kane's the best. You suck for that take. This people is bad. say that to you, Brian? Like, really? Like, you get tweets like that? Like, are these people paying attention that tweet you this stuff? 
I was like Tree Rollins just blocking people the other day, all day. So let me put it like this, all right? I get anyone could be a Kane super fan and love the history. That's no, totally you can't. fine. I you disagree. know who I love? I love Kevin Nash. He's a few years older than Kane, but let's say five years ago when Kevin Nash would still show up every once in a while on a Royal Rumble or, you know, he came out at WrestleMania a few years ago, right, to beat up some other old guys in the NWO and the Triple H Sting match. If he came out five years ago, guys, and was pushed this strong, you know the equivalent of what Kane did taking out Finn Balor, Ambrose, and Rollins? What if Kevin Nash five years ago came out and destroyed Daniel Bryan in two straight weeks, pinned him clean back-to-back, and then took out every other top babyface in the locker room? Guys, I wouldn't pop for that. I'll pop for 53-year-old Kevin Nash at WrestleMania. I won't pop for him coming out and single-handedly taking out half of the locker room to fix, like Nick said, a booking mistake. It makes no sense, nostalgia or not. It's crap booking. You know what Raw I was lucky enough to attend, Nick? I know you love history. 98 SummerSlam. You remember that? Stone Cold versus Undertaker in the main event. We're on I- the highway to hell. I was at that show, Triple H and The Rock in a ladder match for the IC belt. All right, well, I was at the Raw the that right after that. It was New Haven, Connecticut. And you know what happened that night? Vince McMahon came out and he cut a promo on Kane and The Undertaker and destroyed them for not destroying Stone Cold at SummerSlam. And you know what that led up to? It led to the triple threat match where they both pinned Austin together and they held the WWF championship up. Yes, it did. But you know what happened that night on Raw New Haven? Every single match of the night ended with Kane and The Undertaker coming out and beating the crap out of both guys in the ring and then looking back wherever Vince was with a look that said, like, this is what you get. That was prime Kane. And you know what he had? He had The Undertaker. And you know he was beaten up? Largely mid-card jobbers, yet he was in his prime and it worked. And you know know what year it was? 1998! (laughs) 50-year-old Kane beating single-handedly top-level baby faces. It just doesn't work. This whole scenario, Nick, would have worked if who Kane had beaten up was Curtis Axel, Bo Dallas, you know, the equivalent of Heath Slater and Rhino. We would not be having this conversation right now if 50-year-old Kane come, came out and did that. This tells me two things, and this is why it's a zero. Number one, Vince McMahon is out of touch. And number two, Vince McMahon loves killing anybody who Triple H produced in NXT. Deal with that. We also wouldn't be having this conversation if Brock Lesnar needed two, three, or four F5s to beat Braun Strowman instead of just one, which is what Nick said, which is why Nick wins the first point of Hero Zero. I'm loving the czar these days. Czar, giving me all these points. I love it. <laughs> all right, well, let's see how you do on number two here. Let's talk about Jinder Mahal, BC who the last two weeks has not only come at Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman strong on the mic, but has also engineered a couple beatdowns to AJ Styles after easy wins by Styles over the Singh brothers. So BC, hero or zero on whether the newly self-acclaimed Beastmaster has turned a corner. This is a massive hero, and it's a surprise. We talked this week about WWE retroactively filling the holes, putting their hands inside my feel hole and, and putting the putty in there and God, fixing what they what they should have done weeks before. You know what they did with Mahal this week? They booked him how he should have been booked from the beginning, and it's two good weeks in a row for him. You know what he is right now? He's sort of like a badass heel. Maybe he can't wrestle in the ring. Maybe he's not a great talker, but he's destructive. And he beat down AJ Styles, and he gave a very strong promo against Lesnar, and it just worked because he was vile, and he was violent, and it wasn't necessarily them trying to push him as well, if you're from India, you could misconstrue this as, as a babyface. No, this was none of that. This guy was vile and vicious, and I loved it. That's why it's a hero this week, and that's why this should have been like this from the very beginning. Don't book him as bumbling, because he's bumbling in the ring to begin with. You want us to believe it? Then give us a reason to want the babyfaces to get the comeuppance. This was finally that. It's a massive hero. I actually laughed when he called himself the Beastmaster. I don't know why, but I just thought it was hilarious. I think he's pretty funny. You know I love the Singh brothers. I would say that out of the three of us, I've probably been the biggest Jinder Mahal supporter over the course of this run. So I'm happy to see him sort of taking the onus a little bit here. And look, you're right. They booked him very smartly on Tuesday because for the first, and really, it was kind of the first time ever that he administered one of these beatdowns where, like, he had that twinge of violence to him, and it was like, wow, like, this guy's got a legitimate mean streak here. So I like the promo, love the Singh brothers, I like the beatdown, the Colossus to AJ Style. I dug it. I think it's a hero as well. Yeah, uh, definitely agree with both you guys. I'm going to give BC the point there. Laid it out pretty damn well. I will say one thing. Let's be careful, though, fully buying in, because you know I'm the. If Nick's the biggest supporter, I'm certainly not on Jinder Mahal. He was. He's been much better on the mic, but we haven't seen him improve at all in the ring. And if you're going to hold that strap, 
you need to be good in the ring. So let's move on to number three. They don't book around that. They gave him like 20 minutes with Nakamura last time. You don't do that. You book around that. Correct. So number three here, we're going to go back to Nick. Samoa Joe. Oh, yeah, yeah. But by the way, because Jinder Mahal is the first ever WWE champion that couldn't work a lick. Jinder Mahal is the worst WWE champion of all time. I mean, Vince McMahon held the champion for a championship for a day. I mean, there have been some bad WWE champions as well. Jinder, yeah, including Vince McMahon. Jinder Mahal is the worst WWE champion of all time. Samoa Joe made his return to Raw on a Monday with a strong welcome from the fans who chanted his name all the way down the ramp into the ring. He went on to cut a promo saying basically that everyone was selfish and no one really cared about his return before choking out the entirety of Titus Worldwide, which is basically just Titus O'Neil and Apollo Crews these days. So, uh, Nick, what do you think about the first night back for Samoa Joe, hero or zero? See, this is it's not a dumb question, but it's an obvious answer to it. Brian, I mean, Brian, this is a hero, right? I mean, I'm not, we're not... 100%. Like, this was great. Samoa Joe comes out. It was a classic Joe promo. And this just shows you how great he is. The fans are chanting, Joe, Joe, Joe. Even though he's a heel, he gets in the ring and goes, you all missed me, right? Based on the reaction, they cheer. And then he goes, well, I didn't miss any of you. Great. Like, that's Samoa Joe being Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe's awesome. So it's like saying, like, oh, Samoa Joe was on the show. Hero or zero. Of course it's a hero. Okay, you know what? sensational. Okay, you know what? I'm going to ask a different question then. Hero or zero on WWE bringing Samoa Joe back? In the start of November, three weeks before Survivor Series. Well, I think the zero that you can maybe go with here is maybe instead of Kane, Samoa Joe is the badass heel that you feed to Braun Strowman, Bright. And if they did that, I think maybe we're talking, we're singing a different tune here because it's not 50-year-old Kane. It's Samoa Joe that's beating Finn Balor. And it's Samoa Joe who's beating Seth Rollins. And Samoa Joe who would eventually lose to Braun Strowman. And Samoa Joe can cut a better promo than Glenn Jacobs can. So that's a zero, right? Because maybe you could have used Samoa Joe in a better way. But as far as Samoa Joe being back, I mean, the show is better when he's on it. So it can be nothing but a year. So BC, give me him what he's done so far and also the timing of him coming back, Hero Zero. Well, look, this obviously is a massive hero, and, and what you forgot to mention was the promo, he, the WWE.com exclusive, whatever that means, that he cut afterwards, where he actually ripped WWE and was calling people by name, and it was just sort of like, you haven't cared about me at all, not just the fans, but my own company. That felt real. You want to know why that's awesome? Because everything Samoa Joe does feels real. It kind of feels like a shoot from his trash talk to his stiff style in the ring. He couldn't have come back at a better time, I say, because what have been our major criticisms this week, last week, the week before with WWE booking, that it's been comical, even childish, hasn't made a lot of sense. How about we insert Samoa Joe right away? into something that matters because he brings the realism that ties broken plot holes and storylines together. So Adam, it's going to be a hero if they insert him something that matters. If he just becomes number five on your raw Survivor Series team and he has no specific hook to the overall us against them war storyline, then it's going to be a zero. If you insert him right away and say, okay, we're raw. We haven't attempted our comeuppance yet against SmackDown Live. So let's send over Samoa Joe, Samoa Joe, you know, let's dress him up, whatever we have to do. Let's give him something that actually matters, right? Sub him in for Kane, like Nick mentioned, something where it matters so that his return can actually mean something. Because this guy, he's been missing and you could feel it in the storylines and the realism on the main event level that he has been missing. And I think he would have been doing big things had he not gotten hurt. You're 100% right. And you could also feel how much the crowd missed him because that reaction for a heel in Joe, who, by the way, is not Finn Balor, is not Seth Rollins, not one of these guys that's totally been over. That was a strong reaction for a guy who's been off since SummerSlam. BC, I'm going to give you the point on that one. And we're going to move on to number four. Raw on Monday featured a trick or street fight with Rhino and Slater going over Anderson and Gallows. Talk about being buried. I'm not going to get into the details of it because I don't want to sound like a fool here. So, BC, here or zero on Vince McMahon in 2017 still scheduling holiday gimmick matches. Okay, that, that what you just asked me, the question you just That's asked me. That's what I want me, the I'm answer to. I'm going to say it's a hero. Now, this match, it was trash. I mean, it was a zero. In fact, for this category of matches, this was a zero, meaning randomly with my sons uh, two weeks ago, we watched a just from two years ago on SmackDown. They had a similar trick or street fight with Dolph Ziggler and The Miz and there's Jack Lanterns all over. And guess what? It was well booked. It was hilarious. It was fun. It was pretty physical as well. So this specific one was trash. But the whole idea of Vince McMahon retaining the hokiness, it's still a hero. The kids love it. My kids' favorite things that ever happen on WWTV typically involve like the Thanksgiving food fight that we see every year or the one that we saw last year on the 4th of July episode. There's still a place for absurdity 
like Sister Abigail and ashes underneath a rocking chair in a prayer shack. And there's still a face, a place for this hokiness. And for me personally, it reminds me of like Saturday night's main event in 1985 where they did the same kind of crap. I'll always retain a, a part of that. And I was okay with this. Not okay with Gallows and Anderson, though, so don't get that twisted. Okay, so you've got kids. I don't have kids. I'm 34 years old, as I said earlier. It's a zero because it's freaking stupid, and I don't care about it because I'm an adult. I'm not a child. So I hated it. And I'm not going to answer it because, look, the question's fine, and I think it's a zero because I'm an adult and I don't want to see it. So, But I'm not going to answer that question. I'm going to give a different answer here. Just send Gallows and Anderson back to New Japan. Just get them the hell out of WWE. Because if this is what you're going to do with Gal, what an epic waste of talent in these two. To put them in the... It is, quite frankly, it's insulting to me as an intelligent wrestling fan, not just WWE, but who, who knows what's going on worldwide in the sport, to put them in this match and to have them lose to Slater and Rhino. And look, maybe Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows are happy because they're back in the States. They're probably being paid a lot of money. And they seem pretty happy. I mean, look, I, I don't know them. I, I probably shouldn't even say. I don't, I don't know if they're happy or not. But So it's not like they're, like they're being a gun to their head, like, hey, do this job. It's a great job. So cool for them. But bottom line, they're being wasted here. Send them back to New Japan. Guys, do something that, that at least shows your abilities out there to the world. This was a disgrace to put the two of them in this match. Get some jabronis in this Halloween match. And don't have Gallows and Anderson lose because they're, they're too damn talented. That's so stupid. They had to, when when Gallows and Anderson did have the belt, what did they do, guys? They jobbed their whole title reign, often in handicap matches to Roman Reigns. They've never been given the respect. So unless a a, a bullet club type faction and angle begins in two weeks, I couldn't agree more with you. They were given the respect when they were with AJ Styles. Before the either the superstar shakeup or before the draft or whatever the hell it was. When they would come out and do what? Beat, beat the, up John Cena. Beat the hell out of John Cena. Yeah. Beat up John Cena, which is pretty cool. But, of course, it's been all downhill for them since then. For sure. For Nick looking out for our boys, Anderson and Gallows, I'm going to give him the point. We're 2-2. Going into the championship question here, Nick. WWE future endeavored three wrestlers this week. Emma, Darren Young, and Summer Ray. So this is an easy one. Hero or zero on these releases outside of the obvious concession here that we aren't rooting for anyone to lose their jobs. I mean, Summer Rae hasn't been on TV in a really long time. I was never a huge fan of hers. Do I want her to lose her job? No. So anyone listening, please do right. not misconstrue that because she could be really talented and put in a wrong spot. So, I mean, who the hell knows? Um, she hasn't been on TV in a while. Darren Young, I've never was a huge fan of. And I loved a lot of the people in that first group of NXT, the one that had the invasion. I was never a big Darren Young fan. Emma's the one that bothers me a little bit just because I think she's got such obvious charisma and such obvious ability in the ring. And they obviously have misused her to a great deal. She's the one that I can say like, eh, zero there because I think that she's valuable. Darren Young and Summer Rae, do I want to see people lose their jobs? No. Does it really bother me that much that they're not there? No. And that's not an insult to them. You could probably say both these two are talented, and if used better, maybe I would have cared. So that's my answer to the question. This is really a, a split answer in a lot of ways, because if you're going to sign people to NXT and you're going to eventually call people up, then people on the main roster have to go somewhere. And in certain cases... Like Neville wasn't let go, right? He walked on his own good and, and they're gonna let they're gonna keep him until his contract expires and let him walk. But in a situation like guys like Neville, I get excited because I'm like, if you're still in your prime and you're not being used and you have a style that'll work so much better in another organization, go, right? Get get out of there. I'm almost happy for those guys if they walk on their own or if they do get let go. This is obviously a different scenario where there's not a lot of action for women outside of WWE. There's really no areas to make money or to be booked in high-level matches. So certainly Emma's got too much talent in the ring, and Summer Rae has too much talent as a potential you know, valet or, or what have you to, to, to just see them do nothing and then walk away like this. Now, Justin Barrasso of Sports Illustrated uh, reported that Emma had heat with the writing staff and aired her grievances on Twitter, and that sort of escalated this. So that sort of is what it is. Like Nick said, you don't wish somebody for, for losing their job, but you do have to clear out some roster. You're going to keep calling people up. My issue was with actually with Darren Young in this spot. I felt like... They did nothing with this guy. And you have a really good real-life storyline with him being such a positive person out there in the community, uh, open about his lifestyle. There's really a lot of stuff you can work and work with there, and they've done nothing. They gave him something with Bob Backlund. I thought it had a little bit of juice when he was in that feud with The Miz. It looked like it was going somewhere, and then they just pulled the plug out of nowhere. Then he got hurt, and one night before they let him go, they sent him to WWE night at the L.A. Clippers game. And he's on social media and he's and he's 
do taking pictures with people and what eight hours later they let him go that felt like a massive zero to me maybe not everybody was the primetime players fan that i was i just feel like you could do a lot more with darren young both inside the ring and outside of it that felt like a zero two things one neither of you mentioned that emma got fired after getting two like 50 50 booked matches with oscar if you're gonna fire emma let her get squashed in those matches like what the hell are you doing in bc they're talking about bringing people back down to nxt right why wouldn't you send Emma back and get the iconic trio? How much would you have popped for that? Oh, are you kidding me? Or just just how much? Why don't you send Emma back at the very least and use her to get other people over? Like none of it makes sense. Well, she, well, well like, you, like you said, she she must have burned her bridges. It's the only thing that makes sense. I suppose. But, but in which case, Silver King's right. Job her to Alska, which by the way, you should have done even if you planned on keeping her on the main roster. Exactly. So I'm gonna give this one to BC because I do really agree with him about Darren Young. I thought they had something there that they totally wasted. And both of you obviously said the same thing about Emma. So that's three two. BC gets his win back. And his name remains on the marquee. Yeah, still 50-50 book, even though I've, I've won more often than Brian has because... Don't you won two weeks in a row. Don't tell anyone, but my answers are better than Brian's. All right, now let's slide into the old <laughs> BMs here. Brian, let's start with our buddy JB at jbrax1122. He says, Raw is significantly worse without Roman. Make sure you read that on air. JB, we just did. People need to know. Um, I don't really disagree with JB, BC. JB's right on, and I want to give you a specific moment where this point makes so much sense. When the Shield sort of rescued uh, Kurt Angle. Was that the opening segment uh, two weeks ago? Yes. Or no, this week, right? It was this week. When the shield came out and you hear that shield music and you're like, oh yeah, that natural fan instinct is to pop and they're coming through the crowd. And my first instinct was, oh, is Roman with them? And the second I found out that Roman wasn't with them and he hadn't returned from the viral infection as quickly as Bo Dallas had, Guess what? I sort of went, oh, I don't really care about this as much. Like, I literally had that feeling. That that explains it all the way. Say what you want about Roman. He's awesome. He carries a lot more than you realize. They do have a hole right now. Maybe his presence will fix, would have fixed some of the holes in these storylines right now. Well, it'll definitely, and I know expression you like to use, will raise the rent when Roman Reigns comes back. He'll obviously be on Team Raw in Survivor Series, assuming he's healthy, which we all hope. JB, there's no question. Whether you like Roman Reigns' character, dislike Roman Reigns' character, whether you root for Roman Reigns to win in the storyline, whether you root for Roman Reigns to lose in the storyline, the show is better when Roman Reigns is on it. Next up from Tony B at T-Bark 37, he says, do you guys think there's anyone that's as big and overachiever out of NXT than Alexa Bliss. Can't think of anyone from NXT that we weren't expecting that much from that legit runs a division now. BC, your take on Alexa Bliss. Basically, not coming out of nowhere, but not many people anticipated this sort of success for Little Miss Bliss. No, he's 100% right. I mean, she was not a, she wasn't really that big of a deal in NXT. She didn't win the title, and she made an incredible leap to the point that when she was drafted, I remember that night, I was surprised. I was like, really? You're calling her up now? Like, why wouldn't you call up, you know, Bailey at that point hadn't been hadn't been brought up, for, for an example. Uh, his question is, is there a bigger overachiever? No, there's not. I mean, my knee-jerk reaction is to say Elias, because he was an afterthought with NXT, and he's been made into something on the main roster. But he's not running divisions. He's not winning titles, and his booking is starting to really go in the wrong or lateral, constantly a lateral direction, not really going anywhere. I mean, don't forget, he did feud with Finn Balor for a hot second there. So, yeah, that's got to be the answer all the way. But Elias, real quick, and I'm going to let Silver King, Silver King, a bigger fan of NXT than me, so can answer this question a little better. The one thing I'll add about Elias, if Elias keeps his mouth shut and, like, doesn't do – and I, that's a wrong way to say it because I have no way of knowing, like, what he's like behind behind the scenes. But if, as long as he doesn't pull an Emma and get into it with people, this guy's going to have a 20-year WWE career because he will always get heat for his act. So, I mean, maybe he'll never be world champion, but there will always be a place in WWE for Elias. Let's give an example for that. At the uh, NXT TakeOver at at this year's calendar year's Royal Rumble in San Antonio, it was right before he got called up. He was in the opening curtain jerk match that wasn't even televised, and the crowd went sick for him. And you have to think at that point, he wasn't even remotely in the NXT picture. He was barely on TV. When he was, he was jobbing, and the crowd went nuts for him. So this is one of those rare times where you credit WWE for knowing what they may have had and weren't getting out of him on NXT and then polished him up and really made something out of him. Silver King, your take on Alexa Bliss. Well, I, she's definitely the answer to this question. There's really no one, especially if you talk about an entire division, who you know deserves that accolade. Let's not look at it from that perspective, though. Let's her. just look at it as someone from NXT that you didn't expect to be as good yeah, as Yeah, you know, I, the answer is, I still think it's Alexa Bliss, but it's so much easier in the women's division to go from nothing to champion, even now in the women's revolution. That's so much easier than getting over as a male singles wrestler with the entire crowd. And that's why, for me, Elias has just 
exceeded expectations to such a large degree that it shocked me. And I'll give you one other name. And it's weird because he's a main eventer, or a potential main eventer. I knew, you know, Samoa Joe was NXT champion, okay? And I knew when he was coming over to Raw that people would like him. He's a name. He's been in this industry, you know, for decades. So he's, he's a big name. I did not think the main roster audience would take to Samoa Joe as much as they have. I didn't think Raw and Vince McMahon would, because it's not a Vince McMahon-made guy, would book Samoa Joe as strong as they did. You could make an argument that Samoa Joe could have beaten Brock Lesnar for the world title and that universal title in that match, and it would have worked. Like, he would have been a tremendous champion. I think he's a future WWE or universal champion. And you know what? I'm actually angry that he's not champion. You know, let's forget about the injury right now if he was active this whole time. This is a legit main event pay-per-view headlining guy that I did not think would be one. Uh, that's a you made the, the best point. He got even better. And the one point on Bliss, I actually think it's harder what she did because in NXT for women, you get good storylines and you get the opportunity to have really good matches. And as we've seen on the main roster for women, there's often one storyline at a time and the matches typically don't matter. So what Bliss has done has been even double a surprise. Well, what's impressive about Bliss is she didn't get the title by like winning money in the bank like Carmella. You know, well, she'll eventually be the champion. We assume she didn't get it that way. She's actually wins matches and she's a heel who goes over clean. She beat Mickey James with a punch to the face. She wins with a DDT. So it's not just that she's great on the mic. She's winning matches and booked strong. And you would never have guessed that Alexa Bliss would have been like that coming out of NXT. I actually liked the finish to that match. That was a, like a pretty stiff-looking pun. Maybe it was just the camera angle. But, but they, they, you okay. didn't like it? It was terrible. Yeah. No, no. Well, here's, here's what I'm going to say. If they went back to booking that way, I would think it's great. Because in reality, you catch somebody on the chin and you turn it. Unless that's her new finish. Like, that's but, her new finisher then. But this was the same night, by the way, that Miz kicked out of like four different Matt Hardy finishers in the same, You're you know, two day about stretch. The wrong things, the wrong things. <laughs> same thing that Bobby Roode kicked out of like three different Zolph Ziggler finishers over that two out of three falls match. So no, you can't have that finish in 2017. By the way, I like the addition of Zolf Ziggler to the uh, the In This Campbell <laughs> pro- podcast with uh, with Brian Corner. Um, last one here from our guy at Chase. Sh- and by the way, Alexa Bliss, so hot right now. Chase Sharkfin at Mike Cruglio, whoever the hell you pronounce your last name, Mike. You should have an easier to pronounce last name. He says, what do you guys think the odds are of Sami Zayn eventually turning on KO the same way KO turned on Jericho? Could this be an elaborate plan, Brian Campbell, by Sami Zayn? You know, it, it could and should be because that would be a really juicy way to book it. And to a certain degree, it's it's probably the most predictable way to book it to sort of say, you know, that must be Sami Zayn's mindset coming in. But I don't think they will go that way because that would mean that they're placing more of an importance on Zayn. And I think the company certainly has way more importance on Owens. So I don't see them booking this way where Zayn's going to end up outsmarting KO and going over him and sort of getting a higher push for a moment. I think this is the highest Sami Zayn will ever get on the WWE main roster, unfortunately. You just heard it right here. This will be the most high-profile program he will ever be in in his WWE career because they don't really know what they have in him. Um, I don't think it'll ever happen just because I don't think Sami Zayn is really a natural heel. He's been good. He's a natural baby face. It's not a bad idea, Chase. I just don't think it's going to happen. You don't have to be a heel to turn on someone. And I think this you can he can turn on Kevin Owens and do it in a face way and be the one who gets over as a face. I Guys, I don't know that they have plans for Kevin Owens at WrestleMania. I think this is your WrestleMania match. And well, I the think, only issue here I think is, this is, is, obvious. is that in the question, he said the same way KO turned on Jericho. Gotcha. So then, okay, that's no, but no, that's but a very no, good point. No, that's a good point, though. No, but your point is right, though. So Chase, I mean, no, the answer to your question is yeah, no. Yeah. But if you phrase the question differently, Zayn turns on Owens. And I, and I look, I've said that a couple times. I think it'll be Zayn Owens coming up at WrestleMania. Yeah, that, that's the best way to do it. And I guess, you know, to, to Chase's credit, you could book Sammy outsmarting him as the turning point to get there. I just think that I, I just think it's it's almost too good and too obvious they won't end up going don't, in that direction. Don't forget when a, another heel turns on a heel, it, it's usually they become a face. Like I, this is a little bit different, but when Steve Austin, you know, joined McMahon and then turned on him, or when the Rock was a heel, he was the corporate champion with McMahon, then he turned on him. Like you become a face when you do that. So if KO is a bad guy. KO maybe will be a face one day in WWE, but not right now. So if you're gonna have Sami Zayn do this and like plant the seeds, they have to plant the seeds of him, like, you know, doing, you know, this, this, and that. In the field hole. <laughs> in the field hole. 
Uh, I think that's how it would work, and I think it will happen. Should we rename the field spot segment the field no. hole, Bri, or you want to go with field field spot still? Uh, field spot is a lot safer. It makes me feel a lot better about myself. Uh, Nick, I wanted to ask one more question that, that got hit the cutting room floor. The wrestling was so good on Monday and Tuesday night. Like, incredi- it was pay-per-view quality. There's about five or six instances, I can tell you, where it, it was just really top-notch. Did you have a favorite match this week, Nick? That that stuck that stuck out for you? Did I have a favorite match this week? I I liked the Owens Nakamura match in the main event of SmackDown. I liked the Big E Rusev match. I thought was pretty good, and we haven't talked about the, the, like the, the the Rusev Rusev day. I mean, I talk about it every week. I thought that was pretty good. I I thought that, I think you're probably right. There were a number of good matches this week on both Raw and SmackDown. It was so good. Like I'm thinking. Ziggler Rude was pretty good, even though I don't I don't like like the storyline. I thought it was a pretty good match. Good match. I think maybe the best may have been. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong. Finn Balor Cesaro, which really are like two of the top six or seven workers in the whole company. And like, I think this speaks to Bry the fact that like you said it, there were so many ones. It just slipped my mind. Obviously Balor and Cesaro, because I'm trying to like go through the mental rolodex here to think about them because there were so many of them. But you're right, the wrestling was good this week. It made it a great week for you know even though Raw was a little bit up and down, SmackDown was fantastic. It made it a great week. But, I mean, Silver King went. The fact that I'm sending you basically DM saying this Baron Corbin Sin Cara feud is going in the right that direction. That was good too. Like, yeah, I agreed. Like, that's something like we, we don't have a million, million hours on the show, but that was good stuff. How about Sin Cara comes on in this corner and now his career's taking an upswing. There you go. <laughs> I'll just, I'll As just, opposed to Roman Reigns who comes on the show and gets viral meningitis. So, I mean, it goes both ways. <laughs> I'll just say this. I don't know because I don't know that this point was made. The, the matches on SmackDown were great. The entire two-hour show on Tuesday night, I was entertained. Every single segment, there were down parts. You know, I don't yeah. like the Bludgeon Brothers vignette and some of the other stupid I kind of, by the way, I kind of like the Bludgeon Brothers vignette. I like thing. them too. I like where they're going. All right, well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to acknowledge and, those and, with and any I think, and, I think, and I think the Ascension are very funny in the Fashion File segments. No, that's done. Do they it's jump the shark? Totally jump the shark. No, 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 no. Breeze and Fandango are not funny anymore. The Ascension are funny. Connor and yeah, Victor this are funny. Week, Connor the wheels, with the K. They fell into the water. I mean, this thing is so off the road. But to, to Adam's point on everything on SmackDown working, Chad Gable had like the best 60 seconds of like anybody this week. Did you see that promo yep. he cut opposite the Usos? I know we're just sitting here marking out right now, but shout out to a lot of people this week who got over, you know? No, but, uh, no, but that's because, look, SmackDown doesn't go, A, doesn't go against Monday Night Football, so they don't book it in a weird fashion, and B, it's a two-hour show, which makes for a better Yeah, but it's also been absolute crap for like the last four weeks, and it was the opposite of absolute crap this week. It was really solid, and that Rude Ziggler match, we're not giving it enough credit. For a two out of three falls in a short period of time that they had, I thought they told a great story. They had the roll-up finish, so they called back to that. I thought the wrong guy went over, obviously, but, man, and they really need to make Bobby Roode a heel. Like, it's, it's not good. All right, so let's close the show out, Brian. We just basically feel spotted all over the place here. You put your hand inside the feel <laughs> hole. You activated the feel spot. The hole of the spot, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, so just take it away. You are feel spot for the week. Yeah, talk about living the gimmick. Enzo Amore was caught by TMZ cameras pissed drunk I'd say coming out of what looked yes. like a restaurant and here's the audio because it's pretty amazing Lorenzo, how's it feel to get the belt back bro back home. talking about my lady right here yeah talking about my girl <laughs> my boo really champion my boo, boo. Hey. y'all want to boo me talking about my boo right champ. Here. Yeah, champ. how's champ. it feel champ the champ is here Listen, being a champion you wake up in the morning you piss excellence okay Then, you know, you sit down for maybe a split second. Then you stand right up because you realize that EA don't owe you nothing. The only vowel I'm concerned with is I. And while there is no I in team, there certainly isn't EA, all right? I'm the center. I'm the quarterback. I'm the wide receiver. I snap that thing. I throw that thing. I catch that thing. And that's a touchdown. If you dumb little schmucks out there don't know what it means, when a referee goes like this. Hey, hey, what? That means it's good. And as a matter of fact, I ain't good. I'm great. And I didn't have to look through the humble telescope to tell you that. <laughs> hey, does this mean you're allowed back in the locker room or what, bro? What, what happened there? Bro, I got my own locker room. <laughs> Literally. That is a fact. That is a fact. Okay. Come check me out, dog. I don't talk to nobody. Ooh. You know why? Because if you ain't talking money, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. 
Hey, good. All right. Wow, wow, Nick, that kind of sounds like like you leaving me a voicemail late on Saturday night, right? I mean, that's fantastic stuff. That was a great promo. I just like the the Hubble telescope line. I feel like I've used that before, so that's good stuff from Ed Zomor. Look, no one questions whether or not the guy can cut a promo. And, of course, once you get a couple spirits in you and you imbibe a little bit, uh, the filter starts to come off, so it's, it's no yeah, real surprise belt. to me. He was walking around with the belt in real you, life. He's living the gimmick. Good He's for just, him. This is fantastic. You guys, need, you, you guys need to go to TMZ and watch that. He has the ridiculous purple belt. He's absolutely wasted coming out of a bar or club. And he's with maybe the world's worst entourage of all time. Right, PC? <laughs> really bad. Right, so, we, so we will watch that indeed. But uh, in the interim, Silver King, your feel spot. Sure. Mine's audio-based, too. I, I gave you one last week with Paul Heyman. And this week, man, look. You put dudes in, in programs with other dudes to help them improve, whether it's in the ring or on the mic. And Baron Corbin has been better on the mic recently, and he's been even better than that, shooting videos on his cell phone and posting them on social media to go up against The Miz. But as good as Baron Corbin has been, and you guys should watch those, what Miz fired back to Baron Corbin this week was absolutely incredible hit at BC. Baron Corbin. I just got your message. I've been really busy this week. But I got to say, it's the best promo I've ever seen you cut. It's amazing because when I cut my best promos, it's in front of thousands in attendance and millions watching at home on a big camera in a WWE ring, while your best promo is on an iPhone on social media. So listen up, Twitter tough guy. This isn't about Raw and SmackDown supremacy for me. This is about making the Intercontinental Championship the most prestigious and honorable title in all the WWE. I bust my ass day in and day out to make that title relevant, while the United States Championship is working overtime to make its holder relevant. See, I've heard all about you in the WWE ring, how talented you are. But to me, you're just another generic big man who will be gone in two years while I'm carrying this show for the next 10. And if you ever talk about my pregnant wife again, I'll knock your teeth down your throat. Whoa! Yo, I, I, I watched this. I don't know what it was last night or a couple nights ago. And I'm like, as it's going on, I'm like, this is awesome. This is awesome. Whoa! I can't believe he <laughs> dropped an F-bomb. That was uh, great stuff from The Miz. Great stuff. Yeah, he, he's fantastic, man. And Corbin did did get a comeback. It, it was it was a pretty good it was problem. It wasn't as good, but it was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's tough when you're going up against The Miz. And for my feel spot, I already gave it to you. I just thought it was sensational. Stephanie, Angle, Shane, and Daniel Bryan all doing great acting performances. And since I do it every single week, um, Rusev just freaking makes me laugh, man. The guy's just, it's really funny. I can't get enough of Rusev Day. I can't get enough of Aiden English. Like, it's such a weird pairing. Like, it makes, it makes no sense. But somehow it, it makes all the sense in the world. Like, Rusev's wacky character, I am just so into right now. I love Aiden English singing. They do it. Those two just crack me up on a weekly basis. So that is a dual feel spot, dual feel spot for me this week. And that does it for the In This Corner podcast, the pro wrestling edition with the Brian Campbell. So for the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, I am handsome Nick Costos. BC, two words to take us into next week. Now tell me who's the fruit booty. We out.